0: For September 20th, 2021, it's the Overthinking It Podcast, episode 690. Just take those old records off the shelf. <laughs> It's overthinking it, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet. Never happier than when we are gathering together and talking over the things that interest us, the the things we like, uh, the things we violently disagree with. In the case of uh, in the case of this week's episode, or the people that we wish to remember or commemorate. I am Matt Rather. I'm here with Peter Fenzel. Hey, Pete. Hey, Matt. And Mark Lee. Hey, Mark. Hello, Matthew. Okay. So a lot on the, um, a lot on the, the docket. Obviously, you know, we're going to go through the Emmys nomination by nomination. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm sorry. I switched it off when, uh, we declared Catherine Hahn an actor who worked and, uh, spoiler alert, she lost to Juliet Nicholson from, um, Juliette Nicholson, right? Not Juliette Nicholson. See? I can't even remember her name. That's how much less great she is than the great Catherine Hahn actor who works. Uh so I I uh shut off the television in disgust. I threw the remote across the room and I stomped over here to uh to podcast with you. No, no Emmy talk. No Emmy talk at all. No, um, we're, we're actually, uh, going to talk about the, uh, the Rolling Stone new clickbait, um, that they, that they released that you have to click on the, the Rolling Stone clickbait, uh, for clicking on and clicking again. And, uh, and then you discover that it's paginated. So you have to click through, I believe 10 times, uh, 50 per page to see their 500 greatest songs uh of all time. This is the the third time that they've they've attempted this. Uh I believe, right? Uh, it's the the revision of the revision yeah, of the fi- of the 500 greatest songs uh of all time and and uh, I think we should really don't don't let that introduce doubt. Into Your Minds, dear listener, the fact that they have had to go back to this well two times that, in fact, what they said were the 500 greatest songs are not. They now say, no, no, those are not the 500 greatest songs. These... These 500 songs are the greatest songs. And again, then they said, no, those, those are not. These are. And, uh, so this is the definitive list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. We're going, we're going to talk about that. But, uh, but first, uh, there was sad news. This week, and it was, uh, the sad news that Norm MacDonald had, uh, d- passed away at a criminally young age. Uh, we discovered that he had been ill with cancer for a long time, kept it entirely a secret. Uh, I think from, from a lot of people, even people very close to him, um, and worked, I mean, you saw less of him, I suppose, but he worked, um, sporadically, uh, through, you know, through that time, he released a, a Netflix special, which must have been, you know, a great, uh, great effort <laughs> taken a lot out of him to do it. And, uh, and he passed away and the, the, you know, world seemed to be the sort of culture seemed to be really shocked by this. And, and we wanted to take a minute and, uh, and, you know, pay tribute and, and talk about the man and talk about what happened this week. So Pete, you want to kick us off with this? Did you have reactions of, of one sort or another beyond just obviously being very sad to uh, the yeah. passing of Norm MacDonald?
1: Yeah, sure. And I I think that if the timing of the podcast had been a little sooner, we might have been more tempted to go full on for the whole episode. But one of the things that's really stood out is just how many people uh, who have public voices that they raise uh, are really were really affected. I was, of course, very sad. Uh, I like Norm Macdonald a lot. And um you know, warts and all and whatnot. And if you want to hear me talk about Norm MacDonald in a more open-ended way, I would recommend uh, the Pete cast on Norm MacDonald live, his podcast, which he started in uh, 2013, you know? So if you're keeping score, you know, a year and a half or so into his uh, cancer diagnosis, he started a podcast that then became a Netflix show. Um, oh, jeez.
0: Yeah, yeah. sort of a morbid way to look at it. But you got to think about it that way. Like, what an extraordinary effort all those things must have been uh, for him.
1: And his interviews on that show, on both of those shows, are just phenomenal. And uh, they reflect a uh, a fear. There's so many words that so many other people have used already, and they are left somewhat impotent to discuss it. Not that he's a sort of superior person to anybody else that anybody has ever lost, but uh, he was an unusual guy. In terms of his performance style and his technique and his highly refined technique. But I will say that there is a sobriety to his interviews in terms of a commitment to talking about what they really want to talk about, uh, even when a lot of it is just nonsense. Um, but it's serious nonsense, right? It's sort of uh, cutting to the chase on important things. And then the frivolity is, is very earned. Um, and it's just it's just this there's. there's there's a lot of not taking for granted that you already know what a person that you might talk to might say or think, and approaching them from the perspective of what any person might say or think, uh, absent a pre existing relationship with them, which of course there are in a lot of these. So, uh, and there's of course trolling and jokes and uh, a lot of off color humor and a lot of stuff that um, you really wouldn't praise. That is in there. But of course, I love the Chronicles of Riddick. So anything that has anything that's perfect uh, plagues me with suspicion. <laughs> right. So uh, so if you like things that are deeply not perfect uh, because you trust them more, then maybe these shows are, are worth it. I guess uh, what I would say other than just that I was really sad and that I I just felt like his best work was ahead of him. He was just he was getting better, like he, everything he was doing that I saw was getting better. And so there is a loss in terms of what he was going to do in the future. That would have been really interesting to hear and see. Um and again, I don't know. And of course, it wasn't necessarily getting easier to watch. A lot of he he would have gotten hardcore canceled at some point if he lived for another like twelve months, right? Like it's, it's, <laughs> well, see, or it's,
0: it might have already happened had he been working at the pace that he was working earlier in his career. Had his yeah. had his health allowed him to, right? Yeah. Because he really did. He did something that well. I I don't sorry. I don't want to to step on your comment, Pete. If you're not done, but like he did something that really um, g- does not work out well. It's a sort of high risk gambit at this point, right. which is he like drilled right into things that people are very, very, very sensitive about, yes. you know, yep. and, and sort of operated, operated in those, uh, operated in, in those areas. Um, and I don't know. I've, I have more to say about that, but but Mark, do you wanna do you wanna uh, chime in here? I mean, what was your? How, how did you ride the wave of of uh, internet internet grief about, about <laughs> Norm McDonald?
2: I mean, like a lot of people, I was taken back to the Weekend updates that he did on Saturday Night Live in the nineties, right? Um, which I think a, a lot of us established our relationship with Norm McDonald and, and our affinity for him at that time. Um, and I think it was a shared um, sentiment for um uh, for lack of a better word like comedy nerds people are into this sort of thing that norm mcdonald was different from the rest right he wasn't this kind of like clown goofball that adam sandler was um uh he was doing something that felt edgy that that's you know word that just maybe is, is too easy to throw around here um like uh, matt as you said like you know he was definitely going after the taboo um but he was he was doing it in such like a Deadpan way that um, I think appealed to a certain like you know if you wanted to try to be too cool for school in 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 high school uh, in, in the nineties um, then like Thor McDonald was your guy um, and uh, I'll be honest like you know I hadn't followed the stuff that he did you know over a lot of the intervening decades since then but um, hearing that he had he had passed like just took me back to those formative years when my sense of what comedy was and what funny was and what different types of funny were um, it took me back to that time and um and, and and hearing a lot of the retrospectives uh come out about norm like you know he kept the, particularly the the conan o'brien podcast which we'll link to where he and andy richter and uh and the, uh, the producer uh john Smiley, i think is his name right. um you know uh, um uh, reminisce about uh him and his craft um they really cite him as an exemplar for the particular things that he was trying to do right the deadpan style, the drollness, the particular use of the English language, and above all, the fearlessness. I think that's a word that they use a lot, like a terrifying level of fearlessness, that he just like did not care about taboos, about offending sensibilities, about really even if the audience was going to get the joke or, or, or really kind of uh, cotton to it, um, which is remarkable. Um, and that's kind of what I'm left with is like he was a, 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 a true original in that way. And it's always sad. So it was one of those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's where I come down on, dorm, on Norm.
0: Yeah. I, I have, I mean, I really loved, uh, at the time the, um, the Bob Saget roast. Uh, I, for a couple for a couple of reasons. I, I don't know. I think that that, like, um, I don't know. I I think that that format, when Comedy Central took it over, uh, it, it became a vehicle for kind of C list self promotion. Right. And, and, um, that, that format and the, the sort of the mean spiritedness of it and the, you know, the fact that it's, it's a, it's a writer's room of like, you know, that's just churning out hacky, uh, kind of hacky diss jokes that get distributed among, you know, I don't know, Hulk Hogan and, and, uh, Ann Coulter and I, whoever, you know, um, I don't, and I, I, but, uh, the, the older ones, um sadly harder to get on the internet uh these days the older ones when you had the sense that it was you know that kind of like uh, that sort of inner circle of um uh that inner circle of friends you know kind of like kind of just taking the piss out of each other like i i don't know there there's something uh kind of perversely sweet about it that i think is is um I, you know, that I, that I really responded to. And like, I, I felt that a little bit in the, the, the Bob Saget roast with, with Norm MacDonald. Also, Gilbert Gottfried in that doing one of the best bits I've ever, I've ever seen, which is unrepeatable on a family podcast. <laughs> um, completely, completely, uh, completely over the line. But, but Norm MacDonald, I guess I'll describe, i guess i'll describe what he did he um he did a bunch of jokes about uh 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 bob saget that's like uh uh well bob you know i i can't i can't even like think of an actual one well well bob you've got a uh i guess uh you're a man because you've got some hair on your chest and that's not your only resemblance to rin tin tin (laughs)
1: <laughs> bob Saget has a lot on his mind when he wears a hat
0: <laughs> ladies and gentlemen yeah. he has the or like he he was doing the i mean he didn't do them all to bob Saget. he did them to the other roasters which i guess is the tradition you make jokes about everyone up and down the dais and it's like um you know uh he has the the eye of an eagle and the claws of a hot ha- my my goodness this man is for the birds yeah <laughs> <laughs> this uh, uh this sort of thing and and they were all jokes out of a like a 1920 rotary club Toastmaster manual or something like this, like, you know, how to send your, uh, you, you could, you could, the sort of jokes that you could read in Sinclair Lewis's Babbitt or something in the, like, the dinner party that they have where they, you know, um, that like, uh, the whole, and, and did just, uh, the, the sort of weak diss after weak diss after, after weak diss. And they are like, I, I got the sense that people, didn't even have the context to appreciate um to appreciate why this was why this was funny oh uh gilbert godfrey later when you go to the restroom you'll see uh, a door it says gentlemen on it. Pay it. No heed. Go right in. There is no door that says scoundrel.
2: <laughs> it's, it's
0: like, people didn't understand, like the, the, the idea that you would, that calling someone not a gentleman. He is no gentleman, that Gilbert Godfrey. He is no gentleman, sir. You know, the kind of the, the old timey thing. I don't know. It was great. And it, it, it sort of struck me. I, at the time, my headcanon about it was that like, uh, you know, Norm MacDonald had like, uh, you know, had some hard times and had some sort of rough things in, in his life. He was a, a, a big gambler and, and I don't think he ever really stopped, but I, I think it, there was a period where it was like a bad problem for him and, and, you know, some other challenges. And my headcanon was that like Bob Saget was his like true friend who got him through the challenges so that he, um, he, uh, you know, was gonna like go out there and like pull every punch because he wasn't gonna, he wasn't actually gonna rag on his, uh, rag on his friend. I, I think maybe the, the real answer is, is a little more quotidian than. That. No, that's,
1: that's the real answer.
0: Oh, is it? Oh, I thought yeah, I
1: it was. I would I th- recommend. Th- uh I, we, we've talked a little bit about. You mentioned the Conan O'Brien one. I would recommend Bob Saget's podcast on the Bob Saget Here For You podcast called Remembering Norm. Uh, Bob Saget, unlike a lot of the other people, had a very close personal relationship with him that goes back a really long time. And he tells the story about it. This podcast episode is phenomenally sad, like incredibly sad. So if you want the like somebody knew this guy and is super duper sad that he died, but listen to the Bob Saget one. If you want this really important comedian has passed away and you want a really well, you know, well uh, educated, well researched, well considered take on like what his work means, then do the Conan O'Brien one. But yeah, it was basically like, I don't want to make fun of you, Bob. You're my friend. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah uh, the other aspect of it, which came from the Conan O'Brien podcast, is that uh, he was told by the people putting the show on to just like really go to town. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on, right yeah. because the he because uh norm is known for his uh savage takedown humor right um and but norm basically because he, he uh, was kind of his ultimate contrarian right or just like kind of you know took no heat from anyone um, just like no I'm not gonna do that right just and that that became the joke is that he was just like um this guy who was supposed to you know who, who made jokes so savage he got fired from SNL for them um just threw softball after softball um so it works, it works in both ways, I think.
0: I love, I mean, I don't know. I, I loved that. I also, I just appreciate a good shaggy dog story and the, the amount of commitment that he had to the, everyone was sending around the, um, the moth, uh, bit that he did on, uh, on Conan O'Brien's show, which was apparently he t- he told the Shaggy Dog story like uh, that he he was fond I guess of these jokes that like really had a pathetic drop at the end that really had like a a punchline that like but the the commitment <laughs> the commitment to them and just the the way in which. um like the way in which like Conan tries to interrupt him because Conan feels like he needs to inject, uh, some, some jokes to this Shaggy Talks story that Norm has been speaking uninterrupted for like four and a half minutes, which is an eternity on a, on a TV talk show. And then Norm. Norm goes back into this bit about a moth talking to a doctor and it's like, you see, doctor, and the, just the fact that he's going to like pick pick right up in that thing. I don't know that co- that commitment. I um, I really appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know. Are there are there other aspects of the of his comedy that that are worth that are worth pointing out?
1: I mean, yeah. But there's also this, <laughs> rolling
0: so so there's this Rolling
1: Stone list. of the top 500 songs that we really wanted to talk about. It seems so much more important. No, I mean, it's that one thing about Norm is what his. It's, well, I it's guess I super, would
0: say, it's, yeah, it's super important. Let's let's get right to that. That's <laughs> well, uh, one thing.
1: You know. one thing I would say is that Norm McDonald would say himself in his sort of critique of. Of the styles of comedy that have been prevalent during the course of his career, that while a lot of other comedians have uh, focused on revealing things about themselves. That you know, speaking about their personal experience, the sort of the Mike Brabiglia is kind of like the the edge of stand up and the beginning of storytelling in that whole area, right? The uh what you've gone through, what you've seen. On one end is the sort of Jerry Seinfeld, what he's noticed and all that other stuff. And Norm had gone on record saying that he sees comedy more as about concealment. And so not only he has a whole I have his book, his autobiography based on a true story, which is not his life. It's just a fake autobiography he wrote about himself. (laughs) And so it's like a lot of a lot of his style of humor is about hiding as much as he can about his own true feelings, Um, I think, is maybe one way you could start to look at it. And uh, and that the joke is often that you're going to get some sort of glimpse and then you you either don't or you get all of it. Right. (laughs) So which is one reason why the news anchor who seems ambivalent until the very end. Right. uh, When he is shocking is uh is is somebody that resonates with people but it's it's definitely uh it's he was old school it it is old school it's different um and maybe it'll be influential in the future we'll see
0: Mm. all right
2: mcdonald he was committed to the
0: bit (laughs) definitely gave everything to the bit all right uh it's i've i've been uh i've been high-roaded uh and told it's very important it's (laughs) It's important that we I get I to talk
1: about Norm but Mark wa- Mark is specifically asked that we not spend the whole podcast on all, Norm. McDonald's. All right. The
0: Pete Pete <laughs> Fenzel, existential lawyer for someone who's never requested counsel, Mark That's Lee. Fair. <laughs> all right. Has i I've been told it's very important. I'm sorry, I'm doing a Norm McDonald desk <laughs> right here. Um I I've I've heard uh, I've I've heard that there's a uh, 500 greatest songs uh, of all time. Mark is is that the truth? And who could tell us? Who could possibly <laughs> tell truth. us? No, uh, I mean, I've heard
1: that's, that's, I've heard there are 500 greatest songs of all time. Is that the truth? Is that is, sorry? Go ahead. I heard, I heard
0: there
2: was 500 secret uh, list of secret list of 500 songs that David received and it pleased the Lord. Um, okay. So uh, long time uh, overthinking it, um, listeners and readers might know that I have, I have uh, a very close history. Uh, important history with this rolling stone top 500 list um way back in like what 2009 i think i did this like uh, kind of half jokey but half serious data analysis piece on the composition of the top 500 list uh and drew the spurious correlation with um the rate at which oil was extracted from uh the kind of the the contiguous 48 states um and how uh it both kind of peaked in the 60s and declined precipitously since then um the half mocking half serious uh, point I was trying to make was that um, kind of you know for the art form of uh, rock or pop music in particular, like in you know, the, the the scope that Rolling Stone had put that uh, that first list out there, well, you have this high rate of extraction at the very beginning. Um, as you know, people just put guitar, bass, and drums and vocals together, and you know, and combine you know certain styles together, and, and come up with this new thing, high rate of extraction and innovation at the beginning, and then it all kind of starts to tail off there. Um, that article went viral. I think it got uh, it went as far as uh, the Freakonomics blog. I was featured in New York Times dot uh, com at the time. Uh, we, we felt like we really uh, had made it. Would, we're, uh, we're, we're freaking big stuff on the internet, Pete. Did, did a
0: comment? Did a comment occur to you at the time when it when it became clear that we were going to be on the freaking blog?
1: We have arrived, <laughs> was, and we just was, kept I arriving. Mean, I, I send that to everybody in all caps every time we got picked up by some mainstream media outlet. <laughs> we have arrived. About, yeah,
2: the funny thing about arriving is that um, we kept doing it, and um, are, I mean, <laughs> Pete, are we are we there yet?
1: Though soon <laughs> we'll be there soon.
2: Soon. soon. Okay, so. <laughs> Um that's my history with it. We'll, we'll link it to that article in the show notes. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's worth a read. It's and an, an a bit of a chuckle. Um, fast forward uh, several years and just like kind of out of nowhere, um, I, I don't know, maybe it was teased in some way, but I, I pick up, uh, you know, some news feed, whether it's Reddit or Twitter or something like that. And it's like, ah, oh, Rolling Stone has updated their list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. And, um, you know, I think everyone's first reaction is like, wait, what? Like... <laughs> <laughs> they, like this is 2021. Like there's, there's like someone decided they, they have the, the authority to try to put that list out there. Um, and, you know, I think there was a collective internet shrug of, okay. So like, you know, A, we can poop on it and the validity of it. Um, but we can also have our kick and eat it too and start to pick through the list itself uh, and analyze it on its own terms. So we can do both of those things. Right, guys?
0: Yeah,
1: sure.
2: Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So the <laughs> the first thing, the first we got to like kind of just establish terms here. Of what this list is and what it isn't, right? Because um, it was also worth noting that the list, uh, the first two iterations of the list, and were heavily, heavily skewed to songs from the '60s and the '70s, really the '60s, and straight up in that kind of like rock and R&B genres of um, broadly speaking English language popular music of the you know from the from the second half of the 20th century onward. like with those parameters set there, like various smatterings of like hip hop, country, just almost like token representatives of, of, of genres outside of, of rock and, and, and R&B. Um, so what we have now um, is that the prompt is very broad. It is really um, set out. You know, Rolling Stone says that these are the 500 greatest songs of all time. Almost full stop there, right? Yeah. Like what other parameters are, are we meant to 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 or boundaries are we supposed to have when it comes to this to this list?
1: Well, I, I guess there's two ways to look at it, right? I think one way is that the old lists, even in their limitations, kind of made sense. Rolling Stone as a magazine has a similar name to the rock band the Rolling Stones and as such you might consider it to be part of a related artistic project right yeah. if if Rolling Stone is a sort of you know if if it is a if it is a, a magazine of record for any artistic movement one would think it is of you know, 60s rock and roll Right. And, and what that became. Right. The sort of transformation of rock and roll in the 50s into the 60s and onward from there. Like that's and so you can sort of forgive Rolling Stone for saying we really love the Rolling Stones. We're named after them. Right. But also the
0: Dylan song. All I mean, also, you know, but same yeah, same true. same point, the Rolling Stones or the Dylan song kind of same period and same, you know, roughly speaking, same kind of lineage or same, you know, like, uh, uh, yeah.
1: But, of course, over time, Rolling Stone has become this fixture, and upon being a fixture, it takes on for people a meta-historiographical purpose, right, which is like, well, this is a big magazine that's about music and represents kind of power and authority about music. And therefore, in my thinking about the ethics of power and authority, Rolling Stone needs to distribute its authority Right and its power in in a way and put it to work in a way that is uh, more equitable right than it has in the past, that is uh you know more considered that has its that as in, in its interest not the artistic project that it's necessarily part of, but a broader social project that uh, whose whose needs supersede those of the magazine and I think that Rolling Stone itself has embraced that significantly in the past fifteen twenty years right, and has tried to become much less of a I mean it was always sort of like that. But also when you're talking about culture countercultural music of the sort that Rolling Stone has generally highlighted, it has a they wouldn't have used the word social term social justice if used a different term. But a different a similar sort of idea, right? A sort of implicit you might describe it a as a social as, as engagement fri-
0: or a social yes. a social relevance or something yes. like that.
1: Yes, a so a critical social engagement with the idea of the way things are and the way things ought to be. But this list, more than any seems to be very considered with to what it ought to say, right? Much more, and that, that the necessity of this new list seems to be born of no other need than the need to be a corrective of that sort to the previous lists is it, it sort of, I think, The surface level reading, which I think seems more or less warranted, right? Like, well, you know, sort of. I I guess is it
0: like it's? I guess we're doing it in colleges also. I mean, we don't, we don't. uh, You, you got the people who are the like the Renaissance people, you know, in the in the English departments, and they're all they're all talking about Shakespeare. They're all talking about Shakespeare. And if they talked about David Foster Wallace, it would be weird. You know, that's like, don't, don't talk about David Foster Wallace, Lawrence Manley. Don't talk about David Foster Wallace. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know, Annabelle Patterson, right? Like, don't talk about David. Fo- talk about, talk about that early modern stuff. That good. Give me that, give me that old timey. Uh, give me that, give me that old timey. <laughs>
1: take those old records off the shelf. i these-
0: will <laughs> listen to them by myself.
1: This <laughs> um, music just ain't got the same soul.
0: This, yeah, exactly. This so, exactly nineteenth so, this nineteenth so, century yeah. rabelaisian social novel ain't got the same soul like I, I, as that old time these and thous uh you know Shakespeare style, All right, let's do Gawain again.
2: Yeah, so, okay. Let's talk more so about just parameters. Let's just throw them out here, right? Like um, Rolling Stone, of course, is an English language magazine published in the United States, so you know like, the music, like you know, centers very much around english language music exactly. uk u.s smattering of, of 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 songs in other uh languages and other traditions like there's you know one song in the spanish or some other you know yeah. uh, i mean South the best American
1: song not written one in english k-pop is gasolina it's yes. not ambiguous mark
2: one k-pop song although it is in english um what are the parameters right no show tunes right but broadway is just like is like just uh, completely not in scope for this Um, just keep rattling off here, right? Like a lot more, a lot more hip hop and, um, well, it was vote, uh, and, and it was pop in in previous lists.
0: So it was voted on like I, I think there were like ballots or something. I'm I'm not yeah. sure. I really I really want to examine the instrument that they sent to the you know and and by which I mean the survey instrument, not the uh, you know not the guitar or, or keyboard or drum set, right? The what the the sort of survey looked like. But there is a list of all the people, um, people from the industry, critics, uh, musicians producers um who were who were consulted uh, about this and so so you get the sense you get the sense that it was um you know you get the sense that it was voted uh voted upon and uh, you know I don't know I think they, they this- don't
2: they don't give any um details in terms of like how they selected that panel there's also rolling stone uh staff themselves were able to vote and to get like you know no transparency into um, who they are or what uh, you know what segment of voting. Stone staff were able to vote. There's, there's a lot of you know a wait, it
1: lists to their names. It. There's a methodology page where you can find the names of all the people who yeah, voted. Yeah yeah, 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 but but it doesn't tell you who these people are. Yeah, you could have to look it up.
2: talked along, link one eighty two, lest anybody be concerned that his voice was not a part of this process. He is included.
1: You know, I appreciate all the small things that went into this. It's really great. <laughs> <laughs> the edge, but not Bono, right? Uh, Charlotte Caffey from The Go-Go's. I love the list. I love the list of people who got to vote. Stuart Murdoch from Bell & Sebastian got to vote, right? Like, uh, this is great. I love it.
2: Uh, I, I love how it's, like, also almost incredibly incredibly difficult to the point of being incomprehensible to read. Like, like there's, like, oh yeah. they're just, like, listed out without line breaks or commas, you know, <laughs> things that normally are there to help people read things. Hey, speaking of, like, uh, inhibiting your ability to read and process the list, um, this thing is chunked out. Right, page by page, uh, in, in chunks of fifty, um, it is very odious to, to scroll through. Um, I'm shocked, th-
0: Mark. I'm shocked they had the restraint to make the page size fifty. Like, <sighs> I frankly, I would expect you know twenty per page or or something like that. Whatever, whatever Billboard um, Billboard does. Billboard also owned by the Penske Media uh, Corporation, uh, one of the brands uh, in the Penske Media Corporation. The power of content. (laughs) The Penske Media Corporation owns Billboard and uh, and Rolling Stone, Variety, and the Hollywood Reporter. You think these these uh, you know vibe? You think these would be uh, these outlets would be in competition with one another? But no, they're all they're all owned by Penske, uh, the Penske Media Corporation. The the power of content. (laughs) And so, So content is more powerful in a page size of of fifty. And I'm I'm frankly shocked it's that big.
2: Yeah so you're scrolling through all this content right and like it's also like causing the into it makes you consider like what the list even is right it is you know there's like a paragraph on each song you know you you scroll through it and you get a little bit of background you you see the uh, editorial superlatives um that are are listed in these like you know breathtaking futuristic um energetic this that and the other and and it's kind of like you know um you know again in in, the, in these chunks of 50 you skim through it there's a link to play uh, play uh, play the the songs on on Apple Music, um, but it, it was left to a, a third party, just some some rando on the internet, to throw them all into a Spotify playlist, um, to, to actually just kind of like have it in that form, <laughs> and then um, left to us, and we we kick that out to a, a Google sheet, uh, which you can browse through, so it's can kind of like you know actually scroll it in in a bit of a more digestible way, but. Um, One note on that is that, you know, I I fired up the Spotify playlist and and it was this really fascinating experience. Like there are a decent number of songs on this list that I had never heard of and not even obscure stuff. But like, you know, I don't know, this kink song from the 60s that uh, somehow worked its way into the top 20 that I never heard of. And I'm listening to it and it is really, I would say, tainted by its um, inclusion in this list because I'm like, this is supposed to be some kind of staggering work of genius that reaches like upper echelon. Uh, this is better. Of, of, of this music? is better
0: than Leonard Cohen's "Hallelujah."
2: <laughs> this is better. This is better than Gangnam Style. To not make the list at all. I'm not feeling this.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, like,
2: yeah. The, it, it's it, the the nature of the list itself is a weird thing. So here's like chunks here, of par- chunks of chunks of chunks of words, and um, kind of tangentially. Uh, bits of music that you could that you may or may not be listening here's, to. here's actually.
0: what i think about that i think when you write when you send a survey essentially what what you're not going to get so i want to i want to make a distinction here right you, you could have a list of the 500 best songs of all times of all time all times all universes no of all time <laughs> just this time just this universe just this music industry
2: for the next like seven years until right. our sensibilities are horribly offended
0: by what we have here now. I mean, you, you, you think it's going to take, you think it's going to take that long? I mean, Penske Media Corporation knows about the power of content. And I think a lot of people <laughs> are clicking. I think a lot of people are scrolling through this thing. Like the so three of us. Do you think the are. next
1: one's coming out on Wednesday at 10 a.m. <laughs> yeah. just to get maximum clicks? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah the, exactly. <laughs> the updated list.
0: 100, <laughs> percent But if you made a list of the 500 best songs of all time, you'd, you'd have to give some account of the criteria that you think make a song the best song. And then we could argue about those criteria, you could argue about what songs actually meet those criteria, but like you you'd have to have recourse to you know, uh, both a, a sort of a political and, a, and an aesthetic discourse about like, w- what being something good? And hey, who are you to say that anyway? Right. Um, you could have a list of the 500 greatest songs of all times, uh, which actually might be a slightly easier thing to do, a slightly easier ask to say that this song is influential. I mean, you could pull people to see to see what is what is influential. Um. But, uh, or, you know, this song achieves something in some extraordinary way, in some extraordinary respect, right? Like maybe one of the greatest songs of all time would be the longest song, uh, the longest song of all time. Like, uh, maybe something by Meatloaf, let's say, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's, uh, uh, just because of its, its sheer length. But I think what you get, right, when you ask people for songs that they like, you get people's favorite songs. Um, and, and you get, you know, I don't know. And, and that has a lot of, that has a lot of angles to it because, you know, to, to what set in, in what sense do you think people would be performing various kinds, even though these things are going to be aggregated, like performing various kinds of, you know, roles and responsibilities by curating their, their list of songs in a way that like burnishes their personal brand in in some respect that they find desirable. You know? Hey, um,
2: let, I mean let me jump in here for a second, Matt, because I got something very important to make sure we all, all know yeah. uh, about this. Is that you, you drew very strong distinctions between um what, best, greatest and favor. Yeah. Right? The content uh, across this list, and then kind of in the meta content for uh, how the list was put together, uses all three of those words, yeah, and does not make any distinctions about them at all. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, and one, one, of it goes from referring to as the greatest song list to the best song list, and then in the methodology page, it says that voters were asked to submit ranked ballots listing their fifty favorite songs of all time.
0: Yeah, and that's favorite. that's going to be, and that's what it's going to default to, just because that's the easiest thing. Because that's the easiest thing to do, right? Because there's no accounting for taste and the the, the no. in in people's own subjectivity. Like, who knows why they like uh, what they like? So that's that's what you're going to get. Um, and and so you that's the sort of default mode, right? the The other two would be. Would be, um, I don't know, more. You'd you'd need more austere process, right? You'd need like a, a slightly different methodology in order to to try to assess the best by some criterion or set of criteria, or you know, or to pick things that are you know that are great, um, that are great in the sense of like epic heroism, you know, that that are an apotheosis, uh, of. Of some kind, and I think what you get are our favorite favorite songs here. But the, then, this is this is another thing, right? Like, very often, a song, th- th- evaluating a song is different from evaluating a recording of a song or a performance of a song, right? And the right, the, thank you, you for know, making that distinction. Right? And I'm sure you all, you know, uh, have. F- favorite Tori Amos songs, but you also have favorite performances on the 20 or 30 bootlegs that she's released, um, officially, you know, or ones that you've traded with friends on, on audio cassette, right? Like, and that, this is very, this is very important. And we have like a lot of blogs. We have a lot of tumblers, uh, about this. We, in the, in the Tori Amos fan community, uh, we're known as ears with feet. Or at least we were two decades ago. Um, that the right that like very often a song that's written and recorded by one artist will become, um, will become famous when recorded by another artist. So who to whom I ask, I ask you to whom does the, uh, does the greatness accrue? You know, to whom does the glory accrue? A crew. If, if it took a different songwriter, if it took a different performance to kind of highlight something in the song that made it popular, was the song insufficiently great or was it its greatness insufficiently realized, you know, by its, uh, by its first, um, performance? I, I went to a concert. I'll, I'm sorry. I'll get, I'll yield the floor in a second, but I, I went to a concert in mm, 2000. Two or two thousand three, in uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and and it was a show. Um, it was like a folk show, and uh, what had happened at this folk show was there were supposed to be two different folk shows that night, and they none of them sold enough tickets <laughs> to <laughs> to actually make money. So they slammed the two shows <laughs> together, gave everyone tickets to a bigger theater. <laughs> You know and uh and so they had like before the break that they, they had like an opening and a and a headliner, then an intermission then an opening uh and a headliner and it was um it was pretty amazing, but uh I saw a woman who who I believe is named Judy gold who um uh whose claim to fame as, as a songwriter was that she had written the song from a distance, which she performed Ooh, there.
1: That is a good claim to fame. I like that. <laughs> yeah, kind of
0: it thing. is. It absolutely is. And she performed it there. And I I really like I, I am not I am not worthy to, you know, punch three holes in your staff paper to put it in a binder, Judy Gold. But um, I don't want to hear you sing from a distance. Right. Uh, even, even though you, you originated it, I want to hear Bette Midler sing from a distance, you know, and that's, uh, the, the relationship between the, the song, uh, the songwriter, right? The, the author who presumably has some kind of authority. Um, the song, which is an artifact independent of performance, um, we think uh, or the you know the performance that made it uh, that made it famous anyway uh, th- thank you for coming to my ted talk i yield the floor <sighs>
2: are we we both are we left guys sounds like a this, folk this, show in cambridge this, <laughs> are we saying that between like the 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 lack of attention to detail between, uh, you know, best, greatest, favorite and and general um, opacity for how the list was put together. This might not be like the most rigorous exercise. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, OK, yeah. I, <laughs> I think that's very true. It's not rigorous. It's not rigorous at all. Right. Like you can tell right away it's not rigorous just from looking at the top 10. Not that they're bad songs, but they're not hard songs to choose. Right. Like they're not it's not these are not songs that like required a lot of thinking. The Rolling Stones song is still number four. So they still put that one up there. Right. Like it's like Bob Dylan, Nirvana. Right. Like Miss Missy Elliott is there, which is fun. But it's not like they had to dig for it. Right. And of course, Aretha Franklin with respect. um, I mean, that's a song that everybody has been hearing nonstop since we were all children. You know, that's that's a song that should be on everybody's mind a lot of the time as a familiar thing. Um, But I don't think. That there is necessarily out of rigor in this particular endeavor of putting it as the best song. Not that it isn't. You could, I think, come up with a rigorous way of really coming across with respect as the as the greatest song of all time. But I don't think this is doing it right. But it's creating a simulation of a list of the greatest songs. Oh, that's
2: a really good. That's a really good word for it. Like it it feels like it, right? There's a there's a like uh, correctness ishness.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's
2: like about the list. Like, you know, uh, I don't know, like if if you were, you know, teaching a college course on, you know, popular music, 1950 to present, like, you know, and and wanted to to cherry pick notable songs for discussion, like this would not be a bad place to start. Right.
1: Right. Right. It's like
2: it it is in the it is in the ballpark. But you really think there's a but coming at your feet.
1: Well, okay, so so well, but it doesn't it doesn't the the reason that it was created or the method by which it's created doesn't match. As you've been, as Matt has been describing, like you know, very effectively, the way, the the thing that it is that you are being told that it is, right? Because what you've got instead is, okay, I want to tell you guys an unrelated story, very fast, right? Very super fast story. Uh, when I was directing an improv group, so a moth,
0: we- a moth goes into a podiatrist's office.
1: <laughs> And he says, doctor, doctor, Uh, I've just I just read the Brothers Karamazov and I want to talk about it. Uh, So uh, when one time when I was directing an improv group, we had to pick a name and there were a lot of ideas for names and there were a lot of people in the group. And there wasn't really a desire in the group to sort of hammer out and hash out which name everybody liked. So in light of the popularity of it, I set up a ranked choice instant runoff vote for a name also because i thought it would be funny for the name of this improv group um and i discovered something about ranked choice voting uh which i think i might have been the only person to have ever really discovered uh which is that when the number of options and the number of voters becomes close to each other then like the quality of the information that you get from the vote is like not going to be very high right because you know it's going to be a whole bunch of of songs Get names with one vote and then a bunch with two votes and uh, and then depending on what order the different runoffs happen, this one vote goes to this other one and you end up with something winning that has like two votes. Right. For first place. Uh, this this isn't that important or this isn't that bad. Right. But the math of this vote is really strange. Um, and I think it's worth commenting on that the arc of this list i think is a product of the math of the voting system Mm. which is not a ranked choice voting system but you do provide a ranked list of choices right because there's no instant runoff it's just a it's a weighted vote Mm -hmm. right so and also did anyone figure out so this is how they describe it right they say uh all the voters, and they say more than 250. I'm not going to count them. Let's just assume it's 250, right? Uh, more than 250 voters were each asked to submit ranked ballots of their 50 favorite songs of all time, right? So if everybody gives you a list of totally different songs, you're looking at 12,500 songs, right, with this group of people. Which is not the universe of songs, right? So like there's a maximum reach that this can can cut across, right? Uh votes were tabulated with the highest ranked song in each list receiving this is the part I want you to explain to me if you get it, because I don't. Uh the highest ranked song in each list receives three hundred points, the second receives two hundred and ninety points, and so on, down to forty four points for fifty. Does did you know what, what like This is a this logarithmic is so
0: scale or something? Like <laughs> <Yeah>. it
1: doesn't <laughs> Is it like 44, 44, 44, 45? I don't know. It doesn't particularly matter. But the point is that you get a huge premium for being on the top of somebody's list, right? Whereas if somebody's writing on the list, like what's their number 10 versus their number 40? I don't necessarily know if for each individual person that's a huge difference. But in terms of the number of points you get, it's huge, right? It's so huge, in fact, that if you have one person list a song as their number one song, you have to have seven people list it as their least favorite song in order for it to beat it right Um, now of all the votes there are four four thousand songs were selected right so we're only at about a third of the maximum number of different songs that could be selected right so so there were a lot of songs that came back a lot of votes that effectively don't matter because well that don't affect the list right because they are for songs that are ab- above, 500, like lots and lots and lots of songs. that got one vote, maybe two votes. Right. Um, but I think that what you end up with is two different kinds of songs on this list and that there's an arc between them, which is you get, well, I guess it's probably three, right? The, the, the first kind of song is a song that was a favorite song of maybe two or three people. Mm. Right. And that, cause that's 900 points, right? Like that's a lot of points. Um, and so those songs, if you're the favorite song of, like, two or three major professional musicians, I feel like that song's at least going to be interesting, right? There's going to be some something about it that's going to – that made them name it, right? It's not going to be just crap, right? So – because you're like, oh, what's The Edge's favorite song? I have no idea, right? But it's – but if The Edge and, and, Cy- and Cyndi Lauper each have the same favorite song, sure, put it at number 400 on the list, Right? It'll, it'll make it just off of them liking it, and it won't be a disappointment. It'll probably be a little bit weirder than the other songs, which we'll get to, right? But then the sort of second type is the songs that are kind of relatively low-rated but, like, show up on a bunch of people's lists. Maybe some people like them. Maybe some people like them less. Um, and, and I think at this point what you're also getting at is, like, maybe we assume that if you're an artist of a certain type that your favorite song is more likely to be of the type That you like, but or the songs that you like the most from your genre might be more obscure, right? Because you're very well read in your genre. You've listened, you know, the Edge has probably listened to a lot of guitar rock. He maybe isn't as familiar with, you know, female led hip hop artists. Right. So, like, what's the edges favorite guitar rock song? Is it is it like, you know, something that's at number four hundred and fifty on the list? Right. Because because he knows more of them. So I think the more people on the list now that the list is more diverse, which is the point. Right. The list of people you give the ballots to is more diverse. And the belief is that by doing this, you will get an end result that is more diverse in terms of the ethnicity and gender of the people who the artists who are on the list, as well as their style of music. Right. Um, That's the objective, I think, right, at this point, uh, is to get there in a legitimate way, in a way that's interesting, in a way that feels like an ascent. But I got to think that the the songs that are outside the core specialization of the musicians that make it onto their lists, which then have the big numerical advantage to making it to the front of all the lists, because they're the songs that are consensus names by lots of people, right, the ones that the people in the genre like it, and the people not in the genre see it as kind of exemplary of the genre, right? It's like that's the one I know, right? You know, uh, you know, Stevie Nicks uh, knows "Get Your Freak On," but she doesn't know, you know, uh, uh, Pep Rally or some other Missy Elliott song. <laughs> <Wow. right>? Like, <laughs> and so that's what I think is that I think that the higher you get on the list, the less controversial I think the songs feel. Because not controversial, but the sort of less niche and kind of more consensus enjoyed the songs feel, because I think they reflect the preferences of people who are less and less specialized in the thing that they're. talking. Oh,
0: that's really interesting. All right. So just just as an exercise, number one, respect. Number two, fight the power. Yeah. Number three, a change is going to come. The Sam Cooke song. Number four, like a rolling stone. Uh, Dylan, uh, number five, Nirvana smells like teen spirit. Number six, Marvin Gaye. What's going on? Number seven, the Beatles, strawberry fields forever. Really? That's the, that's the top Beatles. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, number eight, get your freak on. Number nine, dreams by Fleetwood Mac and- Stevie
1: regrets voting for Missy Elliott. Man. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and now, uh, number 10, uh, hey, uh, Um, that's all right. All right.
1: All right. All right. All right. Oh, no. My, my safe just opened. (laughs) (laughs) Call back
0: deep cut member members yeah. only callback thanks very much to all the heroes who uh support overthinking it with a, a monthly subscription you can join their number at overthinking it.com join gain access to the uh to the members only section in the overthinking it discord which is the thing link in the show notes and uh listen to our uh our um uh question of the week members only podcast segments one of which pete uh, referenced to and another one of which we uh we were recorded about this this very list for for this episode so uh overthinking it.com slash join thanks very much for supporting us and then okay so then uh after that beach boys stevie wonder the rolling stones uh the kinks the beatles yeah Uh, yeah
2: that was the one that i referred to earlier that's um, such a weird sunset i've
1: never i've never heard it before yeah Uh, you would think it would be you really got me right or something uh, like that
0: yeah yeah which well, yeah, odd, there, there, there are a number of these that I think, I think are weird. I think like, uh, D- Bob Dylan, uh, like, like a Rolling Stone, his next one is Tangled Up in Blue, um, and down, down a little farther, which is interesting, but not, not even the best song on that album. You know, uh, I, I think Dreams is a weird Fleetwood Mac song to mm. be in the top 10, not like, Not anything from rumors that is is more of a banger, like secondhand news. No, like uh, (laughs) I don't know. Don't stop
1: thinking about tomorrow. Exactly,
0: Um, or even if you want one of the the kind of the like the super emotional ones, like the chain, um, or you can go your own way. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it's it's weird. So there there are there are a lot of instances here where I think the artist definitely belongs placed. Round about where they are, you know, plus or minus three, plus or minus five, something like that. But the, the specific choice of song, um, is, you know, is weird. Okay. Like purple ray. No, that for sure. Top 20. Absolutely. Yeah. Imagine, uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Top 20. Absolutely. But like Joni Mitchell's top song is, is a case of you. Um, Lord shows up at number 30, which, you know, I don't know, strikes me as, Strikes me as a little weird, but, but that, but this is a, this Does is what you're. Her t- a
1: royal, Matt? Is she yeah. a
0: royal now? <laughs> I, no, she'll never be royals. It don't run <laughs> in, in her blood. Um, the, uh, the, and, and, uh, anyway, she's, um, Oh, I don't know. I was going to make a joke about Solar Power, her her album that she released a couple of weeks ago. But but like does does Royals belong, you know, 20 odd places above like a prayer? I, I don't think so. Yeah. But uh but this is this is the phenomenon. This is exactly what you're talking about, Pete. Right. This is a consensus pick, you know, and that's yeah, like some like, of them yeah.
1: feel like consensus picks and some of them feel like they must have ranked really highly on a few people's lists to push it over the fact that I can't, I just can't believe that most people were like, oh yeah, Waterloo sunset. But maybe like five different people thought it was their favorite song or something. I don't, know. I don't even I wish, know. I don't get
0: it. I wish we could see the point totals. Of course, well, oh, the not... raw
1: data would be so nice. That would be so cool.
0: Yeah, and yeah. and you know, and people's yeah, exactly, people's cards. I mean, I really you know have a problem with the the methodological transparency here. You have to publish. <laughs> you have to publish your data on GitHub in an open source format. <laughs> rolling stuff.
2: I mean, we're only half joking, right? Like you know, I, I think people are looking at this and like, particularly right wing media are assuming that. Like the list was uh, juked around uh, to mm. like, uh, to surface up more people of color, more women on this like i'm not going to quite go with like you know full tin foil hat on that sort of thing but um i, I it's not outside of the room. Yeah, you
1: don't right. have to the list Send ballots. send ballots to women that's Jinx. what
0: you have to do <laughs> yeah. <Jinx>. yeah exactly <laughs> send it, yeah. send uh, send balance done to done to, place. <laughs> to people of color and there will be more people of color on the on the list yeah. um Pete, when you said that this was the simulation of a list of the 500 are we, were you talking in the baudrillardian sense of <laughs> of simulation.
1: I was in fact. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, so, um, you know, uh, I, I feel like this is worth (laughs) going into, but we're kind of rounding the, rounding the corner into the, into the home stretch here, but I just, I don't know. I'll, I'll, uh, simulation is, um, the sort of the final stage of the simulacrum in the philosophy of Jean, Jean Baudrillard, uh, and I'm going to, going to read from Wikipedia now, uh, simulation is the current stage of the simulacrum. All is composed of references with no reference, a hyper reality. Baudrillard argues that this is part of a historical progression in the Renaissance. The dominant simulacrum was in the form of the counterfeit where people or objects appear to stand in for a real referent that does not exist. For, for example, royalty, nobility, holiness, or things like that. And you can, th- sorry, I'm going to interject for a second. You can think of like, uh, in, in Elizabethan England, the idea of like a great chain of being, you know, and that the, the, the kind of physical, the, the uh, not physical, the material manifestations of that are, you know, um, are that stage of the, of the simulacrum with the industrial revolution, returning to Wikipedia, the dominant simulacrum becomes the product, which can be propagated on an endless production line. In current times, the dominant simulacrum is the model, uh, which by its nature already stands for endless reproducibility and is itself uh, already reproduced. And I, I just like, if you think this is, this is not correct, if you take issue with, um, uh, with Monsieur Baudrillard here, I, I just encourage you to go look at your Instagram stories. And look at how many of them are reposts of reposts of reposts <laughs> down this kind of like hall of mirrors, this like mise en abeam of of, you know, of endless, endless reproduction, endless simulation, uh, uh, signification without uh, any any reference, without a, a final uh, signified to to end the um the endless semic chain. Um, so, so that, in that sense, yeah, I think this is, it is interesting to analyze this list as a simulation of the 500, uh, the 500 best songs of all times. But it, it is, it is kind of, it's, it's interesting in that, like, it, it seems to belong to the order of the, um. Phoenix? <laughs> Yes, the order Which of the never Phoenix. existed. <laughs> uh, the form of the the form of the counterfeit, right? Okay. Where there are ideas of there are ideas of royalty, nobility, holiness, or and and so on. Um, but that they don't, you know, there isn't there isn't really an account, uh, of of them, and so the the reference to them is is sort of sort of empty, and that's um, you know, I and and so they they end up being. They end up be, it ends up being kind of more of a social phenomenon than, than an aesthetic one, I suppose.
1: I think the, the so the, the thing that I always think of when I want to anchor myself in what Baudrillard is talking about is the, uh, just the imaginary idea that McDonald's, that any particular McDonald's that you go to just is able to sell infinite hamburgers, eh. right? That if you go to a McDonald's anywhere and you want a hamburger, they will have a hamburger to give to you. They will never be out of them. Right, that that is that is what we're talking about, right? The the symbol of the golden arches represents infinite hamburgers, which is not the reality, right? And also, the hamburgers come from cows, for the most part, you know. So so and so they lived and died, right? And that's not part of the uh, of the what's observed and what's experienced when you go to McDonald's, right? Is it's, instead there's this notion of what a meal is. That is an imitation of an imitation, right? Well, and it, so, says, it um,
0: says billions and billions served right there up on the sign,
1: yeah, and there aren't billions and billions in the world, so there's just billions yeah. so it's it's uh but yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe what they mean is that that we've all got served by their superior postmodern uh, literary self-identification, uh, but yeah, but in this case, it's like I think top ten lists, You know, this is a I hate to say it, but it's like David Letterman happened. Right. And it happened. He happened a long time ago and he did this gig for a really long time, which is the notion that a top 10 list in itself has a poetry and architecture that is independent from a correspondent relationship with truth. Right. Um. What is the number one on the top ten list? It's usually underwhelming in a David Letterman list, right? What's the number two? What's the number three? Right. Um. It, there, there's there has to feel like there's some sort of progression when you're starting out, right? Or there tends to, and then you get to the big ones, and then they make a couple of jokes, and then it's like uh, there's a revelation at the end that the list wasn't of anything, right? And and so the experience of counting down the list, which of course now has been just rehashed and repeated so many times, uh, with regards to you know, pop culture analysis by uh, not necessarily even by us or a pop culture website that's done 690 episodes. of This podcast, we've done spare a few top 10 lists. Right. Uh, but, uh, but a lot of people do a lot of other ones. Um, you know, what and we so, should yeah, do, you, you know, you know
0: what we should do, we should do a list of the 690 greatest episodes <laughs> of the overthinking a podcast. I'm sorry, Pete. I, I, I derailed you.
1: Number one, Oscar shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, the one where we talked about photography.
2: Uh, <laughs> Wait, really? Seriously? That's one that's a thing?
1: Yes, we did a story two-hander about photography. Uh, and uh, and I think it was mostly about Instagram, but it was about oh, just yeah, 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 generally yeah, yeah, yeah. and like the ph- photographs you own and see of people. We've done a lot of very... Interesting topic reaches over the years. I really like our catalog. Yeah. It's, well,
2: um, one last thing on on, on lists yeah. uh, of this sort and and their and their nature um, is that of, of course, like you know, Dave Letterman did not introduce you know the the ranked list uh, in, into pop culture. Right? It's like ingrained into uh, pop music history for a long time. Of course, you know the Billboard uh, charts. Right? But that, but but, that was um, by
0: sales. But. There was something concrete about about that one.
2: And those are also um, um, what's the word? Shall we say um, methodologically suspect? <laughs> <laughs> As well So oh, it's just more of the same In right.
1: it's But hot. I mean it, yeah. yeah, It's a good playlist though <laughs> <laughs> Uh sorry Matt I interrupted
0: you. No it's I mean I just wanted to you know yeah I mean is it a good playlist? That's that's the question. Like a, a playlist is for a playlist has a purpose. You know a playlist is for something. Like I was listening to a playlist uh, earlier this week the distinguishing feature of which was that all the songs on them uh came in at like 165 to 175 beats per minute so that my running pace would be uh you know would be about about equal. And actually you know what showed up on that list, a song that is not great, <laughs> a song that is not the best, the greatest, but it is one of my favorites. Spice up your life by the Spice Girls, <laughs> and uh when you know, whenever they did uh the ah, uh, if you're having a good t- on that, on that ah, uh, I I uh, took it upon myself to try to run faster at that at that moment. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna go out by saying. Um, you know, one of my favorite songs right at the moment. <laughs> Spice up your life, uh, by the Spice Girls. Off the Spice World album, and uh, it's a travesty that it wasn't included on the Rolling Stone list of 500 greatest songs <laughs> of all time. All right, this has been the Overthinking Podcast. Thanks for listening to us. Thanks very much, Pete, and thanks very much, Mark, for uh, talking with me, as ever. We'll be back next week with more Overthinking It podcasts. 600, 691, where will we place it on the big list? We never know. Every week, that's what keeps us coming back. And I hope you'll come back, too. Till then, though, you can visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it, it, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve
1: you know zero Christmas music Like zero, like no, oh, no. Is Mariah? Oh, maybe. I don't even think Mariah Carey's. Is... No, it's just fantasy.
0: Does the so word not even? Does the word Christmas? Yeah, the word Chris. The word Christ doesn't appear on the list. Oh, forget oh, it. Your man. list is invalid. Oh, we
1: found the hot take. We found the hot take. <laughs> went all the hits. <laughs> Rolling Stones war on Christ. <laughs> it continues.